This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with the season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net. called my parents and I was like, I know that this is going to bum you out and I'm really sorry, but I know what I want to do. And at that point, you know, I was working part time. I was in classes and I was trying to play shows every weekend. I was like, I can't do all these things anymore. And I just don't need a degree. Episode 396 is with Megan Patrick. I will tell you, I did not expect her. Hmm. What's the word I can use? I think I do use soft. I expected her to I have punched me in the stomach mm. when she walked in and walked out just because she has a very strong presence. Yeah. And it's her pictures and her music sometimes is like, hey, dudes, kiss my butt, suck it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I love her style of music and I think she's awesome. But like, I liked, like, like I just wanted to give her a hug when it was over. <laughs> I don't know. It just wasn't, and I mean this in the best possible way. She was, I wasn't intimidated after about three or four minutes of the interview. Meaning I like totally respect her music and, and love her music and love what she represents. But also, I don't know. She's just so much, there's so much different types of depth with her. Yeah. Did you feel the same way? Yeah. She has a, like lived a lot of different lives. Like four, four lives. Competitive gymnast to, uh, uh, she was like training to be a ski jumper. I don't even know what that thing is. And just so good at everything she does. Like a crazy good athlete. Also, how open she was about her past relationships and how that affected her music. And, you know, she just got married to Mitchell Tenpenny pretty recently. I don't know. I just left really liking her. I try not to like people after these because then I'm like, well, I really liked them. I should, I should really help them out or I'm going to feel bad. Oh, I see. Yeah, because then I get like too attached. It's like a, going to, to the uh, shelter and seeing a puppy and you're like, oh, I got to adopt I got it, it now. <laughs> like, I feel like this place is the shelter. And so I got to be careful. But man, it's uh, with her. It was tough because she was just so freaking cool. So her name is Megan Patrick. I'll say this: you want to see what she looks like as we do this at Megan Patrick Music. But Megan is M E G H A N Patrick Music. I'm gonna play a couple of hooks from her new EP. This is Greatest Show on Dirt. Someday you can win an Oscar, and I can say it's only first. 
And the one that I addressed later, I'm like, dang, that's good. Red roses and red flags. Man, that's still so good. That's a, like that concept is so cool. So she's currently working on a full length album. That you know that that's what's up. Um, we talk about the dates. I'm making sure that I didn't forget anything while we were doing it that I should do now. You know, she was raised in Canada. You know, and a lot of the Canadian artists don't really like to talk about being from Canada because it makes them feel, as as I've been told, like people don't accept it as much. But she's just like, I'm from Canada. What's up? Like that's that is what everybody's from somewhere. And like I like that. Keith Urban's from New Zealand, Australia. Yeah. One of the maybe both, but really Australia later on, right? Yeah, born in New Zealand. Yeah. So she dropped out of school, which we talk about. Bluegrass group. Is there anything? She got married to Mitchell Tenpenny, fall of 2022. I feel like we did it all. I I had a great time here. Megan Patrick, and I'll say this too, coming up soon, a guy that I follow on TikTok that just does a lot of music, like stories, and he starts it off and he's like, it was a story about a kid who had a hat. And then you kind of follow along and at the end he reveals that it was Animal from the Muppets and his band or whoever it was, <laughs> right? So it, it, he's coming on too. And you know, and with Megan, loved it, but I just want to give you guys a little teaser on on that situation because- He's all music. He did one about Third Eye Blind because Stephen Jenkins was a mm -hmm. rapper. Did you, did you watch that one? I did watch that one. It was like started out in a rap group. And I was like, dang, that's crazy. So Patrick Hicks is the name. He'll be coming up soon. So Megan Patrick Hicks. Mm, they do that in Wheel of Fortune where they're like the first. <laughs> Before and after. Yeah, I like that. I just got asked if I wanted to be on Celebrity Wheel of Fortune. Oh, that's awesome. Are you going to do it? I don't know. I just talk about it on the show and get all their opinions and then do the opposite of what they say. <laughs> uh, Megan Patrick. Here she is. Follow her. It is a Bobbycast, and please follow us at Bobbycast or at the Bobbycast, depending on whatever social media platform you're on. That's it. Away we go. So I'll tell the story to Mike. I guess, was it this weekend I saw you? Yeah, Sunday. So went into Rumble, mm -hmm. and I was by myself. I don't think my wife was with me. Was no, she? you were by yourself. I yeah, so I went up to work out, and I'm doing, I'm taking, you know, sweatshirt off and put my glasses in the thing and what and somebody goes hey bobby and i was like huh i can't even i don't know who it is <laughs> and so i'm like what's up she goes hey i'm gonna i'm gonna be on your podcast and i'm like because sometimes people will come up to me <laughs> yeah, just like, artists will be like sure you are i'm gonna be on your show one day and i'm always like no really i'm like that's Tuesday. awesome manifesting it yeah, yeah. yeah and i'm like oh yeah that's cool and she goes it's me megan and i was like huh it's megan patrick i'm like oh <laughs> so that <laughs> I ran to her this weekend. I had no idea what was going on. I can't tell who it was more embarrassing for, honestly. <laughs> well, I just struggled with, I don't see well. No, no, I know. It's and great. then she goes, I don't have any makeup on. But I still should have. It's fine. The whole, it was like, I told her it was like seeing your geography teacher at Walmart. Yeah. Totally. When you know Walmart well and the geography teacher, but you yeah. don't really see them together. You don't see them together, yeah. yeah. I feel like it's even happened to you and I at Rumble. Sometimes when you don't we have your see glasses each other, on, you're he like, He did oh. ask if you had glasses on. I was like, he didn't have glasses on, We're so like, we'll give him that. Mike? Is that you? Megan? I'm actually surprised I haven't seen you guys there before. I'm there a lot. Really? I'm, I'm usually a 6 a.m.er, though. Uh, no, not me. I'm a 6 a.m.er to work. Yeah. Or I wake up like 3.30 or so yeah. every day. But if I don't have to wake up early, I don't. Yeah, There's that's no fair. And I don't, that's fair. I don't live on a clock where I naturally wake up on a weekend. Yeah. When do you wake up? Um, like just your body clock, if you just were living five days, 
with nothing to do, on the fifth day, you'd wake up at what time? It's hard to say because it's hard to get into a schedule because I never have a normal schedule. When I am here, I do pretty regularly get up at like 5.30 and Oof. I try and go. It's it's a thing where I, I realize I hate it, but as soon as I get there and I work out, I feel so much better. And let me tell you, hitting something first thing in the morning makes me a much better person for the rest of the day. Mm. So it's just, I don't know, it feels like I get a lot more done too in those extra hours in the morning. And by the time I get to my ride at like 11, my brain is firing on all cylinders. And I, I don't know, I just feel like I have a better day that way. Well, that's the responsible way to look at it. Right. And that what you do. <laughs> It is where I've been given the option too. We could go in later to our show, but I I don't do it either because I know I need to get a lot of stuff done. Mm-hmm. Even though I hate waking up in the morning. Yeah, it sucks. I don't mm-hmm. enjoy it, but I enjoy the the results of what I get when I do it. <laughs> yeah, I, that's how I feel about working out generally. <laughs> yeah, um, and I probably go to Rumble once every two weeks. I also own three of the title boxings in town. Oh, that's right. And so my wife prefers to go to Rumble because she likes those that style of class better. Mm-hmm. Where I like to go to title as well because it's just a different kind of boxing. Yeah. Um, it's all pure. It's not pure boxing. I'm not getting hit. But yeah, but I like boxing. I like it a lot. Yeah, you know, it's really good me for too. me. I don't really like hitting things. Sounds like you got a problem there. But you know, <laughs> I just like the cardio Listen, more than- my anger issues. <laughs> yeah. Hey, let me ask you a question. Do you hate golf? I love golf. You do love golf. Yeah, it's, no, I love golf. It's one of two ways whenever your significant other plays a lot. Mm-hmm. Where my wife doesn't play golf. She did for mm-hmm. a little bit. And then she's like, eh, I'm over it. Yeah. Where she's like, man, it just seems like you're just gone for seven hours. And I'm like, I know, it sucks, huh? <laughs> so, but I see Mitchell uh-huh. at times playing. I've seen you playing with him, though, before, too. Mm-hmm. And so you had mentioned, because I have a golf simulator over there. You were like, man, he'd be so jealous. But I wonder where you fell in, in the golf world. Yeah. You like to play? I really do, actually. I I didn't I didn't start playing until... I met Mitchell, to be honest. Um, I mean, Canada, it's not like you can golf all year round like you can here. So it was never really a thing for me. And we were on a a family vacation and he wanted to go golf. And he's like, well, why don't you come with me? And I was like, if I'm coming with you, the thing about me is like, I'm going to play. I'm not going to just ride around in the car. So if you can like have the patience and be cool with me, like I won't hold up the game, but I am going to play. And I actually, I really enjoyed it. And like, it became something that we can do together. Like when we get a little bit of time off where we can get outside and do something active, which we love. And also, I realized, like, from a business perspective, it's a great move. I, I golf with people from radio, yeah. promoters, other songwriters. Like, it's a great networking opportunity that it's not in a bar. And it's <laughs> long-term bonding because you're mm-hmm. with, especially if you're in the same cart, mm-hmm. you're with them for four hours. Totally. Yeah, you have real conversations. Mm-hmm. and It's forced. Yeah, it's forced. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> My CFO of all of iHeartRadio is coming to town tomorrow and he wants to play golf, so okay, we'll go play golf. Mm-hmm. And I've never actually spent that much time with him ever. Right. But he runs the company. And I know that when it's over, we'll either be better or worse. Right. Because you've just spent a lot of time together. Well, I think it's like it works out well because you're playing the game too. So even if you just, if it doesn't really get awkward, you can just make small talk about the game. Or, yeah, when or I play the bad jokes. though, I suck. I mean, I just get... You, is that where the temper comes I don't, out? nope. There's no temper. <laughs> My temper is oddly quiet. Mine is not. <laughs> and I wish I was a little more like you. I wish I was more like you. That's why I box. <laughs> you know, I can see, I see it now. That's why I like hitting things. Yeah. Mine <laughs> things is, that I'm allowed to hit. I just internalize and compartmentalize, but I, but just generally when things aren't well, going right. Generally for you, if something evokes a reaction, is it a large reaction? It takes a lot now to get a, a large reaction out of me. I have done a lot of work um like a lot of therapy and then again like for me working out and like boxing and and doing something active really helps to kind of 
keep me a little more even keeled. Um, but yeah, I mean, therapy was a big part of that. And just realizing that, you know, flying off the handle all the time, I always ended up feeling stupid after and it never really, it, it didn't make people like listen to me anymore or respect me anymore, you know? So I really kind of got a good handle on that now. Because I guess, and it's not even your reputation, but it's like your pictures show that you're like, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> let's fight let's party let's I'm a, do everything I'm a passionate person yeah. but I but people I think often mischaracterize me in in that like yes I'm a very like passionate person and yes I'm a bit of a, a tomboy I like to hunt and I, I do all these things that I guess would be seen as like tough things to do but I'm actually like very friendly and kind and like agree. and a lot uh a lot I don't want to say like softer but I'm not ex- what people think I'm, you're, very, you're a lot softer I'll say softer yeah you're a lot softer and I would just I base all that I say on this now off of images that have been your, you know, your, your, your brand, mm-hmm. you know, cause, yeah. but it is your music too. Like you have, your music's kind of in your face. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Like I really, I, like this is a thank compliment, you. Yeah, thank you. but it's also an observation. Yeah. I, I thought maybe you'd punch me the first time I saw you somewhere. Like, I didn't know. Like, so a title That's almost what like, I, mean. I flinched. I was like, oh. Like, oh, God. Right, at, at, at Rumble, now yeah. you know I can punch, too. That's true. So yeah. as a kid, did you get in trouble? Um, I was actually, like, a, a pretty good kid. Like, un- like, surprisingly, I was, I mean, I was always an athlete. And I was definitely, like, a tough kid for sure. But I wasn't really a rule breaker. Not talking too much. No, no. I mean, when it came to like school and stuff, I mean, I was a like straight A student. I was like star athlete, played every sport. And I didn't like, I didn't like disappointing people. I didn't like disappointing my parents. And like, they were pretty cool in that like, look, if you, you know, you make good grades, you help out around the house, like you do what you're supposed to do. Like you can kind of do whatever you want. So I felt like I had a lot of freedom and it meant a lot to me that they kind of gave me that trust and it's like, look, if you screw it up, then like there's going to be consequences. But if you do X, Y, and Z, then you can do whatever you want. I was like, sweet. That makes sense to me. <laughs> so, What were you good at uh, at athletics? Um, I mean, I played a little bit of everything. I mean, I always did, you know, like track and field and all the school sports. I was a competitive gymnast for 10 years. Wow. Um, Wait, and aren't I, you taller than that, though? I Well, by the time I quit, so I actually got in a bad car wreck with my mom when I was, I think I was like 13. And that kind of ended things for me with gymnastics. And honestly, it was kind of coming to an end anyway, because I was literally in the gym like six days a week for most of my life. I didn't really have like, an, I didn't get to go to like birthday parties and things like that. that dedicated. I was like super dedicated to it. And I was getting to a place where I was getting a little bit older and I wanted more of a social life. And so when that car accident happened, by the time I came back, I mean, at that age, you you advance so quickly and everyone's learning really quickly. And by the time I came back, all of my teammates, it felt like they were so far ahead of me by the time I was like recovered and able to like start training again. And I just kind of lost the the passion for it. And at the, I had also started um, snowboarding. And so I pretty much went straight from being like super hardcore gymnast to a uh, competitive snowboarder. And that was that carried all through high school. Was the dream to be an Olympian? Yes. Um, in absolutely. Canada, or is like the Canadian Olympic team, team is that a, like people totally. dream of that? Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, where I grew up, I mean, you got to figure out something to do in the winter that you like <laughs> because it's there's winter is long, <laughs> and my family was like big on you know skiing and snowboarding. That was all of our family trips, and I started snowboarding. One of my best friends, Matt Morrison, he um, he took me out. Him and his mom actually taught me how to ride and. 
you know, we were, we were, he was like my brother. And so I would go out and ride with the guys. And of course I just wanted to beat the guys all the time. I was that girl and he decided to start competing. And so he was like, we should do this together. I was like, let's do it. So we competed all through high school. Um, my senior year of high school, I was having like the best season of my life. I was supposed to go to junior worlds in Switzerland and all this like amazing stuff was happening. And I had convinced my parents that if I made the national development team, that they'd be cool with me deferring going to college because they really wanted me to go to school and I wanted to compete. And I was warming up in a slope stall competition, went off a jump way too fast, which is par for the course with me <laughs> and way too aggressively. And it, it threw me off when I went up to start my rotation. I kind of overcorrected and basically ended up doing a front flip without completing the rotation landed on my head and my shoulder, snapped my collarbone, dislocated my shoulder, and kind of suitcased on top of myself. With, and so I broke my back, broke my ribs, severe concussion. Do you remember that? I remember being in the air and thinking this is going to be bad, and I don't remember anything else from that day. Um, it was pretty scary. I still definitely have, like, a lot of effects Heck from yeah. the, the concussions. Um, and so that kind of, like, obviously through <laughs> a wrench and things, I was, like, bedridden and couldn't even walk. I couldn't do anything for months. And um, I really turned to music during that time. Um, I started writing lyrics and kind of writing songs. I mean, I was like really depressed and I couldn't do anything. And um, yeah, so I, I really started, I was just listening to music a lot and trying to write stuff. And when I came out of that recovery, I kind of had shifted focus and realized like, okay. And I talked to my parents about it and, you know, I think I hadn't really accepted it to that point that music was something I could make a living off of. I knew it was something that I really liked, but I hadn't really thought like, oh, I could actually do this for a living. And my parents supported it, and I ended up going to McGill University, and I studied opera because I had taken singing lessons all through high school as well and did You're all so the annoying. Royal Conservatory. You're good at everything. You're so, it's so annoying. I mean, I was like, like good-ish at a few things. Nothing. but <laughs> nothing. I mean, that's you're why. doing fine, Bobby. Well, now, yeah. I've had to like struggle to... So I, I'm going to run a parallel here and see mm -hmm. if it's similar to you. Um, I had a couple incidents. Now it's been like seven or eight, but I got jumped once and had a gun to my head. Mm. And that was re that really messed me up. No doubt. And then I got jumped outside of a radio station. I had some death. But all these events, like the first one was bad and mm -hmm. it really messed up my brain. But yeah. then once the second one happened that was real bad, I regressed a lot as far as who I trusted, what I trusted, mm -hmm. when I trusted it, people yeah. behind me. Now, when I hear of you and you have these two tra physically traumatic, but not just mm -hmm. physically, emotionally, mentally, mm -hmm. like I would think that both of those, even today, would still, like I wouldn't want to go fast in a car. I wouldn't want to jump <laughs> off stuff. Like in the same way, I don't want to be by myself alone at night in a parking lot. I don't going to work without my security guy mm -hmm. being there because that's that stuff's really mess with my head i know i i hear you and i mean the 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 snowboarding incident definitely it it really shook me like did the car wreck me. and the snowboard incident feel the same -ish? the car wreck wasn't as wasn't as bad i mean it was definitely scary but I mean, I don't know. That one didn't really stick Got with it. me as much, I guess. I mean, because I was younger too. And it, and it didn't really like, and honestly, if anything, I kind of felt like it was one of those silver lining bad things that happens that actually ends up directing you on a kind of, you know, correct course. Mm -hmm. um, I was okay from that? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, we were fine. Like it was there was no like really severe injuries or anything. It was just really scary. We got a guy ran a stop sign and T-boned us and we like went off the road and hit like a tree. And I just had like whiplash and some cuts and stuff. But it was it was more like scary than anything. Um, You have brothers? I don't know. Got a little sister. You know, I ask because, again, you're excelling athletics. You go from a sport to a sport, Mm -hmm. you know, before you end up getting over to music. Mm hmm. And a lot of times that happens with people with older brothers because yeah. they can just mimic or use them as, mm-hmm. you know, even a, a kind of mentor. Yeah. So who was really into sports in your family? My dad. Yeah. Was my dad athlete? My dad is an incredible athlete. He actually is still holding um, national records as a, as a swimmer. He was a competitive swimmer. What? Yeah, he did Ironman. <laughs> see, do you, need, do you see, understand now why That's my crazy. need to just be so good? He also like builds beautiful mahogany boats and like runs a business. I mean, he's kind of Superman, so. How old is he now? <laughs> he is 65, Is he like 66? still in good shape? Like you yeah. see him and you're like, Whoa. No, it's, it's actually annoying how all my friends talk about my dad being hot. So yeah. it's. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. So you go to school to study opera. Mm-hmm. What in the world do you know about opera? You know, it was one of those things where, so I started taking singing lessons when I was 12. I auditioned for like a school musical. My teacher was like, hey, you have a good voice. Do you want to take lessons? And the person that they set me up with, you know, her focus was more like opera. And I guess because I had this really big, powerful voice, I had a big range. She was like, you're going to sing opera. And I was like, at the time it was kind of just like, oh, this is cool. I didn't know my voice she could do this. signed you opera. Kind of, yeah. But I was, I liked it because it was, it was cool just even discovering what my voice could do. And I think it was like, you know, I liked the, that I was learning how to read music. And so there was a lot of valuable things there. And I was definitely like interested and passionate about singing, but I, it wasn't until I actually, you know, so when I was looking at schools, I mean, a lot of the schools in Canada anyway, I really wanted to go to the school in the U.S. actually because there's some incredible music programs, but it was crazy expensive. And a lot of the Canadian programs, I feel like, are still very like traditional and kind of like like you can study jazz or you can study opera. I feel like there's and it might be different now, but there wasn't as many options that were like outside of that kind of rigid thing. And so I did like one year and I was like, I hate this. (laughs) This is terrible. I'm not passionate about this genre. And the people who are in this program like really are. And it was very clear to me I was not fitting in. And I had met a couple guys that were in the jazz program, these horn players, and they were starting a band. And so they asked me if I wanted to sing. So it was a nine piece, nine guys and me. And we were called the New Groove Orchestra. And so that kind of pushed me more towards like being interested in jazz. It was at least something that felt more like what I was into. And, you know, we toured and we made a couple records. We got to open for Aretha Franklin at Montreal Jazz Fest. And that was like my first taste of really like touring and being on the road. And I loved it. <laughs> With jazz and I have friends who've played jazz music, like jazz bass, jazz piano, mm-hmm. and they talk about how you just, you kind of have your own lane that you can experiment and play around mm-hmm. in, but you got to stay in the lane. Like you can't, totally. you can't hop in a different key. Yeah. But as a vocalist, is it the same? Can you kind of move around as long as you stay in the, the selected space? Or? Yeah, I think, well, I mean, when you get into like scatting and stuff, which was always like equal parts fun for me and like terrifying because you're just kind of like going for it. Would you do that? Would you scat? Yeah, I mean, I did it. In cl- we had to do it in class all the time and you'd have to like do it in front of the class and it was so awkward because you're literally like singing gi- <laughs> gibberish. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's like, so you always feel kind of like silly, but... I also feel like it gave me a really great grasp of just like melodies over progressions and figuring out, okay, where can I go? And which I think in the end translated into the songwriting aspect of just being able to find cooler melodies and different melodies and stuff like that. 
ever hear of Mel Torme? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure he like wrote one of the books that we had really? in class. Yeah. When I think of jazz singers, especially scat, mm-hmm. it's like Mel Torme to me was like the guy. Mm-hmm. Not that I have this, you know, robust. Gerald's a girl for me. Yeah. Yeah. Like robust <laughs> history of jazz. I don't. Yeah. But I definitely had my phase. Mm-hmm. Where I was like, let me just explore all the jazz music I could possibly yeah. find. Skip, boop, dot, ba, doo, dot, skip, dot. Yeah. You know, I thought that was super cool. I thought I could do it. I also thought I could freestyle. It's all different. <laughs> Let's take a quick pause for a message from our sponsor. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots. And Tacova's is your next stop before attending your next concert. Tacova's has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring. You're talking about men's boots, women's boots, um, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time honored tradition, timeless style, always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort, little to no break in period. Like, it's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, direct consumer pricing keeps the value on your feet and the money in your pocket. So, stop by your local Tacova store. Have a complimentary drink. Shop the new styles. You like the smell of leather or no? I love it. Yeah. That's what the whole store basically is. Fresh leather. Yep. Friendly staff. Or like the smell of staff? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm sure they smell good there. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. What a gift, too. Regular live music and events. There is no in-store experience like this. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S. Yeah. Yeah. Dot com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event. So give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view. An endless field of wildflowers. Or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Bobby Cast. So, when does the bluegrass thing come about? So, um, after I ended up switching into the jazz program at McGill, and again was still just kind of like, I, I don't, I, I'm not feeling this. Just doesn't feel like it's for me. And so, I found out that Humber College in Toronto had a little bit of like a broader, and there was also some more classes to do with like music business, and because at this point, I'm starting to feel like. I just want to like get a record deal and tour and write songs and like get a publishing deal and be a songwriter. Can, could you do that in Canada though? Did you feel? I didn't. 
I mean, it obviously it existed, but it was not the same as like growing up here for sure. And because Mitchell and I have talked about that a lot. And, you know, I, I just hadn't seen a lot of people that I grew up around or with that had like really made it doing, you know, as a songwriter or as an artist. But so I was like, well, I guess, you know, I'll just finish school. But maybe I'm going to try this program. So I transfer over to Humber and find out that. Um, that they used to have a bluegrass ensemble. So I end up meeting some guys that also love bluegrass and we end up convincing them to revive this bluegrass ensemble. And I like, oh my gosh, we had so much fun. It was, it was, it was incredible. I was like, this is the music. I love this music. I love the harmonies and like the, the vocal parts. I love the instrumentation. And at that, around that time, I, had uh, started going back home to Bowmanville and I met this guy, Sam Balson, and he was playing this open mic and we became friends and we started like jamming together and playing some songs together. And for a while we were also like a duo. We also dated this whole time (laughs) and started a band called the Stone Sparrows. And um, that's when I decided to drop out of school. I called my parents and I was like, I know that this is going to bum you out and I'm really sorry, but I just, I know what I want to do. And at that point, you know, I was working part-time, I was in, in classes and I was trying to play shows every weekend. I was like, I can't do all of these things anymore. And I just don't need a degree to, to do what I want to do. And so they kind of were like, well, I mean, you know, we're not going to stop you. I mean, we're going to stop paying for things, <laughs> but you know, we'll, we'll support you. And I'm actually really glad that they, they didn't really help me like, or give me money to, to do this because I had to, I had to work really hard. I had to figure it out. I busked on street corners in subways to make ends meet. I took every like gig I could playing in bars. I would play for hours for, you know, a few hundred bucks maybe in a, a, a bar tab. And at this point, you know, we started playing more regular gigs with my, my bluegrass band and made some records and again, like got to play some really big shows and it was, it was awesome. And then, uh, Sam and I broke up. (laughs) Was that when that dissolved the group? No. Um, we played together for a year. Holy crap. Yeah. Let me tell you, 10 out of 10 do not recommend, but (laughs) yeah. And anyway, not even just this, like people that get divorced, live in the same house. It's just anytime you're, yeah, it was, it was rough. I mean, you know, we, we, it was just a hard thing because, I mean, we were together for four years and, and he, I, I'm so grateful for him because he was such an incredible musician and I know that he had a huge impact on, on my musicianship and, you know, my songwriting and just kind of finding my own voice. So I'm very grateful for that. So I don't regret any of it. But the year that we, we, when we broke up, we were like, well, we have this band. Like it isn't just about us and we can't just like bail. Oh, you had players with you we as had, well. Yeah, yeah. So we had my bass player. Um, he was playing upright bass, our buddy Jim. And then my friend Oliver was playing fiddle. And so we felt like, okay, well, we started this and we were kind of like peaking, like we were crushing it as a band. And it was like, I felt responsible, like, well, we can't just like bail on the band because we broke up and we, we're adults. We can do this. This will be fine. And then he started dating one of my friends and we went on tour together and it was horrible. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine. Just the proximity, right? Yeah, it was rough. It was rough. But. It was like the Eagles because now, you know, they don't even talk. They, <laughs> yeah. It's like they just come out on, on you know, quickly. No, it, was, and- it didn't end like really badly. It, it Honestly, it also came down to... Uh, the other players, so Jim and Ollie ended up starting a brewery in our hometown. And so it kind of just came down to like everybody else in the band had other things they were interested in and like kind of backup plans or other jobs. And I didn't. This was it for me. And so we kind of went ways like on on good terms. Everyone was just kind of going to do their own thing. And that was when I, that was the first time in my life I was ever Megan Patrick, a solo artist and not like part of a band. Did you regret dropping out of school for a minute? 
Absolutely not. That's, no. how you, that's how you knew you wanted to do it then. <laughs> no, I mean, I just, I once I got a taste of like being on the road and writing songs, I was like, this is exactly what I want to do. And like, I'll do whatever it takes to do this. I mean, to me, school was just like a waste of my time. It was getting in my way. I don't, I don't regret going because I met a lot of incredible musicians and I had some great teachers. And like, so I think I definitely gained a lot from that. I didn't gain a diploma, but I did get a lot from the experience. When did you start thinking that Nashville could be a destination um probably about 10 years ago um where's that in the timeline so you you guys break up the band yeah so we actually before the band was broken up we actually came um we went to bonnaroo and we drove down from canada and we decided we were going to go early and like check out Nashville, see, see what it was all about. And I was really, really broke. I mean, I could barely <laughs> afford this trip. And so everybody like went to, to Broadway and they're going to go out and drink. And I saw somebody playing guitar on a sidewalk. So I was like, I can do that. I'm going to go make some beer money and I'll meet, oh, I'll meet up with you guys later. you mean you can do later. that tonight? You mean you, you're going to do that now? I was, yeah. I was Got like, it. they were going to go drink. I went to the hotel. I grabbed my guitar and found like a sidewalk corner on Broadway and just started playing and like, dude, I made I made enough money. I bought my first pair of cowboy boots at Boot Barn and I got very drunk on Broadway that night. And uh, and I was just like, man, this city is like awesome. Like there's just music everywhere. Like I'd never really seen anything like it. And um, that definitely planted a, a little bit of a seed for me. And then also I really loved the South. I loved the people and just like the energy and and just the way people loved country music. And yeah, there was there was just a culmination of a lot of things that, that really drew me towards here. And um, after that, I ended up, I, I had probably would have moved sooner had I not signed my deal with Warner Canada. In fact, around the time I signed with them, I was about to move to Nashville. Then I get this record deal. So I'm like, okay, it makes sense to stay in Canada, build a career, do some touring, and kind of maybe revisit this, this move in a couple years. So couple years later I got to a point where if I wasn't on the road then I was in Nashville writing and every time I came back home I just I felt like I was trying to be two different people like I was trying to be this Megan that everyone had grown up with that wasn't a touring artist with a record deal and everything and these people had totally different lives in me at this point and I was loving what I was doing on the road I was loving being in Nashville and I was having a hard time reconciling that with who I was who they had known me to be back home. And I also felt like I just wasn't inspired. Like I wasn't working when I was home. I was trying to just do what everyone else was doing when what I really wanted to be doing was like writing and creating. And and so I eventually, I had a long-term relationship too at the time and we broke up. I went on tour with Tom Cochran for like a month and I was like, I got to figure out where I'm going to live. And I realized like, well, Tom Cochran, Why not Nashville? Life is a Highway, Tom Cochran? Tom, that's Life the one. Life is a Highway. Yep. I sang that song many times. <laughs> all night long. Yeah, that's, all night. <laughs> that's the one. Huh. How did you... <laughs> it was a random... I don't know. That's, he, ra- that's he a random asked, pairing, he yeah. Saw some, he saw something that I did, and he asked for me, I guess. And I was wow. like, awesome. Um, and it was great. It was a great experience. It was a great challenge playing for a crowd and demographic that wasn't really my normal crowd and demographic. I think I learned a lot as a as an entertainer, like how to read the crowd and how to play for different people and kind of, you know figure out what they're what they want and give it to them um but yeah i came back from that and you know my mom is american my dad's canadian so i have dual citizenship and i was like man why would i even stay here like i this is the time to move to nashville so i reached out to a friend who was living here and i barely even knew her she was just another canadian and i was like hey what's a good place to live in nashville and she's like well actually 
I need a roommate. Do you want to live with me? And so she found us a place. I came off the road and probably 36 hours later, I had a truck and a trailer packed up and drove down here. What year was that? That was uh, six years ago, I think. Was that 2017? Well, time's all weird and melted now because <laughs> totally. of the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, so I've been to Toronto before, and that's Ontario, right? Yep. And Ontario, you can tell me if I'm right. Ontario, those provinces are like states. Mm-hmm. So Ontario is the state. You got to dumb it down for us here. Yeah. The state <laughs> was, the province was Ontario. Yes. So the, yeah. where was your town in relation to Toronto? Because I know where that yeah. is. Yeah. So I grew up about, it's about 45 minutes to an hour east of Toronto. Would it be considered a suburb? Um, I mean, like now probably. It was pretty small and rural when I was growing up. It has changed a lot since I moved and it's a lot more developed now. Um, it's right on, it's right on Lake Ontario. So close to the water first time i met you i think i was doing a series of shows working on material at a small theater down in franklin and i would do like two a day two mm-hmm. a day and, I, and mitchell had come out and you were with him yeah that was i awesome. don't know that you guys were married yet we were not no we just got married last october then for sure you wouldn't have been married no. yet. yeah because that, that was a few years ago now and maybe you were just i don't know how long you guys had dated but i remember them being like yeah the, and this is probably where my impression of you comes in yeah they were like yeah that's megan patrick she's uh uh country artist from Canada. She's a real firecracker. I remember somebody saying that. Who calls people a firecracker? <laughs> but I remember being like, oh, I should, I should probably watch out then. If she... <laughs> and so that was my first time meeting you. But I don't think I really ever saw you perform until... Did you do a showcase for iHeart? Have you ever um, done here in Nashville? Yeah, I did I did do something, like, some, like just acoustic thing or with a band? No, it's acoustic. Yeah, I did do something for, it was like the iHeart Summit or something a couple that's years exactly ago. What, that's what it was. Yeah. It was the, that was the iHeart Summit. That's the first time I ever saw you perform. Yeah. Because there was a bunch of radio people in there. Right. And I was like, God dang, she's good. Thank and you. so I'd always, you know, I'd kept up with you because of Mitchell, because I know Mitchell a bit. Mm-hmm. And I saw you at, uh, at at Rumble and I was like, hey, what's the deal? And you said you're now with Riser House? Is yes. that So to explain yeah. that to me. Yeah, so, um, you know, Warner Canada and I parted ways at the end of last year, and, um, you know, I'm super grateful to everything. I mean, they started my career, and we did a lot of great things together, and I think, you know, there's a lot of changes in personnel over there, and we just, we had we had different ideas of where we needed to go. Also, do they want to keep you in Canada? Um, no, I mean, I, when I signed at Warner Canada, I, I'd made it very clear to them that my intention was to come to the U.S. and to I wanted to be like an international artist, and um, so that was always really clear. And I actually structured my deal in a way that if Warner Canada had not procured me, I guess a an American deal, and Warner Nashville passed on me, they had first rights refusal, then I could take back the U.S. territory. I would own that again, and I could then go sign with whoever I wanted sure. after a certain, uh, I think it was my third record or something. So that's what happened. And I went to riser and, um, and then, yeah, we Warner and I parted ways at the end of last year. And so now I'm just with riser and it's been awesome. Is that scary? No, I, I love new beginnings <laughs> and fresh starts. I really do. And, you know, like I said, I think it had just run its course and I, I had felt very, um, stifled and kind of suffocated and really stuck for the last couple years just creatively and like just feeling like I couldn't move forward and do what I wanted to do and um so now I feel like I have a clear road ahead of me I also got new management I signed at Make Wake and my manager Randy is killing it um and I just feel like I finally have the right people around me that 
we, we share the same ideas about how we find success and we share the same ideas about, you know, putting fans first and building things organically and authentically. And um, also, you know, I mean, it takes a lot of courage to truly be yourself as an artist. And it takes a lot of courage to manage someone who is doing that and, and be on that ride with them and, and take the leaps with them and, and trust in what they do and allowing them to take those chances and step outside of the box. And I definitely have that. So I'm very grateful for that. The Bobby Cast. We'll be right back. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots. And Tacova's is your next stop before attending your next concert. Tacova's has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring. You're talking about men's boots, women's boots, um, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition, timeless style, always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort, little to no break-in period. Like it's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, direct consumer pricing keeps the value on your feet, the money in your pocket. So stop by your local Tacova store. Have a complimentary drink. Shop the new styles. You like the smell of leather or no? I love it. Yeah. That's what the whole store basically is. Fresh leather. Yep. Friendly staff. Or like the smell of staff? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm sure they smell good there. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. What a gift, too. Regular live music and events. There is no in-store experience like this. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S. Yeah. Yeah. Tecovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Bobbycast. What's the hardest thing about managing you? Uh, Randy? <laughs> what do you think it is? I'll give you a second um, to think. I can, I can vamp for a second. For me, I think it's probably that I have 17 things going at once and I'm bouncing quickly one to the next, one to the next. Hey, what about this? It's just I'm all over the place. Right, but yeah. I feel like in a very uh, disciplined mm-hmm. and deliberate way. Yeah. If it's a, I'm working on a book. Right. Always got the radio show. I'm doing this TV. Right. 
For me, I know that's difficult for my team sometimes. Yeah, for sure. For you, what is it? What's the hardest thing about managing you? I mean, I don't know. I, there's a couple things that come to mind. Well, one, I love to hunt and I spend a lot of time outdoors with no service. <laughs> so that would be tough. I'm not always, I, I really like, nece- I, it's necessary for me to get off the grid sometimes, which is probably not ideal for management. Um, and I don't know, probably just like managing my my expectations and like, or when I get, when I get frustrated about something, like I get very frustrated by people not being honest with me, um, being like lazy or complacent about things. Cause I am, I get up every morning, like I'm going to do everything today and I'm going to absolutely crush it. And, and so does my manager, Randy, but when other people around me, like when I feel like they're not being honest with me or they're kind of dancing around the truth or they're just not getting stuff done, I get very agitated and she probably takes the, she kind of absorbs a lot of that on my behalf. Sorry. (laughs) When you make music and you listen to music and by the way, your new EP's out, greatest show on dirt. But even this, for example, for an example, are you just so particular? Are you listening to it a hundred times, picking out notes or are you going, this is good. makes me feel good. It's exactly what we wanted to push out. Like which version are you? Um, I think I'm like a, a happy medium. I mean, I'm I'm very, very picky about my vocals because that's one thing that like I'm in control of and I know what I'm capable of and I know what I can and you know, can't do. So if I feel like if it's if I feel like it's not where it needs to be, then I'm gonna do and my producer has been like, Megan, it's good. I was like, It's not good enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I mean, I don't get I, I kind of like to let the the band like do their thing and 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 not be like micromanaging the music too much. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm fairly, I'm fairly picky for sure, but I think I'm pretty good at like deferring to my team too. And my producers and saying like, okay, I feel like this is like bothering me, but maybe I'm being crazy or, you know, what do you guys think? And then, you know, I think we have, I think we have a lot of trust amongst ourselves and we can have great conversations where we defer to each other when we need to. So I feel like one of the best things to happen to me in therapy is awareness. Mm -hmm. At least I I never am fully (laughs) self-aware, but having some Mm self-awareness Do you feel like therapy has helped you be more self-aware even of Mm -hmm. the expectations you have of people? Absolutely. Um, I mean, first, just therapy as a whole. I mean, I could not advocate for therapy more. Um, I've been... I've been in therapy for the last couple of years. I'm going to shout out Porter's Call because they are incredible what they do there and it's changed my life. Um, Explain what that is real quick. Porter's yeah, call. Porter's Call. Um, I mean, it's it's a free service to artists and they have therapists that are like specifically knowledgeable in our career and what we do in this industry. So they're, you know, they have that information and understanding of like the particular things that we might struggle with in our industry, which is incredibly helpful because i've done other therapy before and you don't have that and yeah and it's free for artists it's incredible (laughs) so that's been important to you it's yeah it's been a huge help for me and you know just figuring out like why i am the way i am and and you know figuring out how to how to work on some of the parts of myself that i that i didn't like or that i knew were very reactive to just past trauma and things that i'd been through and traumatic relationships, abusive relationships, manipulative relationships with people that have made me doubt myself and second guess myself and my confidence in myself. And, um, also recognizing like I'm an, I'm a very direct person and I'm a very blunt person. And I do that because I think that's like a sign of respect to speak to someone that way, because that's how I want to be spoken to. I don't like it when I feel like someone 
is BSing me. Like directness is kindness to you. Yeah. Like yeah. I think like honesty and directness is like kindness and respect to me. Because if, if you aren't willing to do that for me, that makes me feel like you don't respect me or you don't like think I can handle it or something like that. And that, that bothers me. But I recognize that some people, they need a little sugar on top, you know, and I'm not being inauthentic to myself by reading the room and, and just taking a different approach to, to get the desired result and have a better relationship with the people around me, especially the people I work with. Because when I get in business mode, like I said, I'm like, here are the facts. Here's what we need to do. Here's what you need to do. Here's what you need to do. And it can come off a little like abrasive or scary sometimes, I guess. I get that too. And that's not always the goal. And I think it, yeah, everybody in here would say that about me too, mm-hmm. that at times it can be a little too direct where it almost yep. feels rude. And yep. I don't mean it to be rude. Yeah. But I'm just trying to be extremely efficient. That's right. Some, Efficiency. But, but, Thank you. Comes, but, and I've also had to learn that that's not Let's not waste our time. Absolutely. And that's not everybody's <laughs> communication style, though. And I've had to yeah. also learn that that's on me a little bit. Yeah. Because I will just go A, B, yep. C, D, that's it, break. Mm-hmm. But that's just because it's my communication style. And sometimes... Um, yeah, I get it. I got to be like, all right. <laughs> it just I, know, me- I know Reed needs to be hugged a little bit, right, Reed? <laughs> I need to say, Reed, you do this, give him a little hug. And yep. So I think that's what's been good for me is yeah. my communication doesn't always have to be just... Mostly it is. Right. I get email tone. I get bad email tone all the time. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not being mean. I just said, Listen, need to do this. Da, da, da. I cannot tell you how much I relate to that. <laughs> and I think like too, um, it's even worse as a woman. Because mm, yeah. that kind of directness, Unfair. especially yeah. in business, I think is more accepted um, amongst men. But when a woman does it, it's it's yeah, perceived a leader, differently. Yeah, man's a leader, a woman's a bee. Right. That's what they say. Yeah. It, sorry, I was just thinking about the office. I think it was Dwight said something like, I'm not going to waste your time and I wouldn't dare waste mine. <laughs> and that's kind of how I feel yeah. about it. This EP that's out now, Greatest Show on Dirt. We, I put one of that. I put that title track on the Women of Our Country, right? Yeah. So, Mike, play me a little bit of that. So you wrote the song. Mm-hmm. I'm always curious to know how the title, how the idea came about, or how you turned a title into mean something else. Because to me, I hear "Greatest Show on Dirt." That's baseball. Because right. we had an Arkansas traveler for a baseball team. The right. greatest show on dirt. Okay. However, however wow. that is not this song specifically. It's not about the Arkansas yeah. travelers. If I'm correct. <laughs> no, no, it is not. Um, well. First, I can't I can't take credit for that title. That was Tranny Anderson, um, who's incredible songwriter, just had her first number one with Laney Wilson's Heart Like a Truck. We've been writing together a ton and we were on a writer's retreat with Jake Mitchell and Matt McGinn and she just like casually drops this title and we're like, That's amazing. Like how what? <laughs> and I was like, Okay, how do we not screw this up? And my first thought, you you went to baseball, I thought about like rodeo, you know. And I mean, I did own a horse once, but it was mostly just so I could like ride trails and drink beer. I was by no means any kind of like rodeo queen. Um, And so I was like, okay, well, that doesn't feel like authentic to me. So what else could it be? And I just was thinking about like, you know, summer love, summer romance when you couldn't really, there wasn't much to do where I grew up. So you mostly just rode around in back roads and, you know, pull up somewhere, lay down a blanket, hang out, have some beers, whatever. 
And I was like, so what if it's that, you know, just this throwback to this nostalgic relationship and where this guy is just, he's, he's handsome and he's got all the right lines and you're just like in this dreamy cinematic thing. And, and I think what was cool about it is that, you know, it's obviously implied that the relationship didn't work out in the end, but that wasn't the point of the song. It wasn't about the breakup or why they broke up. And I think it's cool that recognizing that like sometimes relationships are just meant to be for a period of time they teach you something or they just make you feel good they make you happy and then you move on and that's okay and it doesn't have to be like this painful breakup you can still kind of look back on those moments fondly hang tight the bobby cast will be right back this festival and concert season will be all about the boots and Tacovas is your next stop before attending your next concert. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring. You're talking about men's boots, women's boots, um, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tacovas boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition, timeless style, always on trend. And Tacovas has first wear comfort, little to no break-in period. Like it's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, direct consumer pricing keeps the value on your feet, the money in your pocket. So stop by your local Tacova store. Have a complimentary drink. Shop the new styles. You like the smell of leather or no? I love it. Yeah. That's what the whole store basically is. Fresh leather. Yep. Friendly staff. Or like the smell of staff? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm sure they smell good there. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. What a gift, too. Regular live music and events. There is no in-store experience like this. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S. Yeah. Yeah. Dot com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby and modern-day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back on the Bobbycast. Another song that I had programmed into the national show was uh, She's No Good For Me. Is that the single now? Is that the, is that, the which one? that was the first one that so came out. That was yeah. the lead single. Got it. Yeah. I don't know. I just pick songs on it. Yeah, that's I, I, I like this one. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so She's No Good For Me. Mike, will you play a little bit of that? The girl I used to be She's no good for me 
Give me, give me that story a little bit too on, on this one. Yeah, that was another uh, different writer's retreat, but uh, also with Tranny and Jake Mitchell and uh, Michael Whitworth. And I can't even remember because it took us a while to actually come around to this idea. Um, I think I had come in with this title, Learning How to Leave Her. And I was like, this is just feels like a cool a cool title, but I'm like, I guess it would just be a guy song. And then we kind of talked around a bunch of different things. And, and I think it was Whitworth that said, well, what if it was you speaking about like yourself, like learning how to leave her. And then we ended up landing on she's no good for me as being that hook, but we did uh, leave learning how to leave her in the bridge. So it still made its moment, but we just kind of started talking about, you know, as I said, the last couple years went through a lot of therapy. Obviously the pandemic was rough for everyone. And I know for me, it forced a lot of like self-reflection and, you know, I had a lot of time to think <laughs> about things and think about what kind of person do I want to be? Um, am I living a life that's that's a good life? Am I truly happy? Am I doing things that make me happy? Or am I my own worst enemy? And just kind of like recognizing some of my behaviors that were probably fun at a time in my life, but were no longer serving me. Just, you know, just drinking too much and going out and, and drinking for the wrong reasons and then ending up in these toxic relationships and going back to these toxic relationships and just like being kind of this like, pathetic screwed up version of myself and I just was like I was just so tired of that and um you know I think it was part of that that journey is recognizing that you know your progress isn't always linear sometimes you slip up and you know you have a few too many or whatever but as at least when you recognize that you can start like moving forward towards a better version of yourself so with you and Mitchell both being in music and we struggle my wife and I because I'm gone a lot. I can't mm -hmm. imagine if she had a job that kept her away a lot. <laughs> yeah. It would be doubly as hard. So, yeah. and you're both at that part of your career right now mm -hmm. too, where you just got to go. Yep. Yep. So how hard is that? You know, it's weird. It is really hard, but the fact that we both are doing that, I mean, yes, it means less time together, but it's kind of also why it works. Um, because I think for both of us in the past, like previous relationships, like a lot of the issues in our, both of our previous relationships was like, I know for me was just feeling constantly guilty for doing my job and feeling like I always had to defend that, like doing certain things like going out to a party or a bar or an event where yes, people are drinking and having fun, but it is still work. It is still a networking opportunity or, you know, things like that. And, and defending that, like, no, this is work. This is part of my job and feeling guilty for being gone all the time and prioritizing my career and music. And, and I've literally said to more than one boyfriend, like, listen, if you push me to choose, like, I won't choose you. You know, I, I just won't. I've loved music. This has been my dream forever. Like I, I, and I don't feel like I should have to choose. And so when I met Mitchell, you know, we both were actually really specifically trying to not date anybody when we met. He he was he ended up signing. His, he was talking with Sony at the time, so he signed his deal like maybe a month after we started seeing each other. And I was like in the thick of it in Canada. I was touring a bunch. I I mean, after we met, I went on tour for like a month, and I just figured, well, you know, he'll just he'll ghost me in like a week. He's another artist, songwriter, you know, guy in Nashville who thinks he's God's gift to country and women and, you know, whatever. <laughs> and, uh, he wasn't, he, he, t we talked every day and, uh, you know, he ended up saying to me about three quarters of the way through the tour. Um, yeah, I kind of want to lock this down. So do you want a date? And I was like, 
all right, cool. And then I was like, I'm not really sure what that means. He's like, I mean, like, like I'm committing to you. And I was like, all right. And then I think it was 45 minutes later, I'm on the bus and I get a text. He's like, so just to be clear, like I can tell people you're my girlfriend, right? <laughs> but it's that it's weird thing. Like, what does that even, what do these terms yeah. mean? What does dating seek each other? What does that even mean anymore? So, but it's, you know, I just, Mitchell, there is nobody happier for my successes than my husband. And, you know, because he's been through it and he goes through it and he's lived here his whole life too. He just, he understands what I have to do. And, you know, he called me, I was, um, I think it was after we did the Luke Combs show in Detroit and I called him and I was just like, I'm so happy, babe. Like everything is happening that I've dreamed about and I, I miss you, but I'm so happy. And he was like, you got to go out and get it. He's like, don't worry about me. We got forever. Like, it's all good. <laughs> you know, you got to go out there and get it. And I'm proud of you. So I, I don't think I could do this without him doing that I mean, giving me that support and i kind of love him too now yeah he's pretty awesome <laughs> Dang. uh is it difficult to you know have some success in a place and then go to some place where nobody cares about just you? different <laughs> yeah it's almost how i feel state to state uh-huh. I, I can go somewhere and it's like yeah everybody's like oh my god then i'll go to another place and I'm like they don't care it's right. like hey guy get out of the road <laughs> and i've come to enjoy that now yeah going to the places where like get out of the road however it's got to be a weird feeling for you to have people know you and then start over yeah um i mean i i'll say this like i had already been coming down to nashville pretty regularly to write before i ever moved here and really like took a real run at trying to build a career here and so i was i knew what it was going to be like i knew that was going to happen that wasn't that wasn't any kind of shock to me that doesn't mean that um i haven't had moments where i've been really frustrated you know because it's like i don't know feeling like people are treating you like like you just stepped off the bus yesterday and it's like look i know that i'm new here but i'm not new to this industry i've been i've been playing in bands and touring and doing this since i was like 14 years old and i already built a really successful career in canada doing things this way can you give me a little credit here that i know what i'm doing you know and i know that 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 it is there are definitely differences in in the two industries for sure between canada and the us but you know i think it's just yeah, I mean, it's it's humbling for sure, but it, it just didn't matter. I just wanted it, and I just was like, well, it's just what it takes. You're just going to have to – what are you going to do, quit? No. So just suck it up. It is what it is, and you figure out a way around it. You just keep getting up every day and convincing people you deserve to be there and keep proving them wrong, and that's all you can do. I mean, it feels very much like you're training for something. Like when you, Yeah. That's how you had to prepare to train totally. for whatever it is, if it's being a gymnast, if mm-hmm. it's – I mean, it's the same mindset. Absolutely. And you've maintained it and you've just mm-hmm. put it somewhere else. Totally. Yeah. I just can't picture you flying and landing upside down on your head. <laughs> I mean, that is. Yeah. That is I mean, wild. thankfully, I didn't have to see it happen. I think it was probably scarier for the people that saw it. I mean, my friend Matt was right behind me on the hill. And when he got to me, I was unconscious. I bit my oh. tongue, so there was, like, blood everywhere. And I was, like, laying there in this, like, very unnatural position, like, not moving. I still feel bad for that for Matt. I think I, I, think I scarred him He's not him the for one life. to feel bad for, Megan. <laughs> no. He went, to, he went to two Olympics, actually. So he, he crushed it, yeah. You think you could have got there? You know, I've never put a lot of thought into that because it just, it's just not where I went. Were you on track to grow? To maybe- I'm glad I didn't. Yeah, yeah, I'll yeah. say that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Listen, I couldn't have gotten to the NFL. It doesn't matter if I got yeah. hurt or not. I was not getting to the NFL. Do you think um, with the proper training you could have gotten? You yeah. Could, could you be professional? Yeah, I yeah. think so. I mean, I think that like 
you know, there's a lot of factors. I mean, one is is injury, and there's not much, no matter how great you are, there's not a lot you can do about injuries, obviously. But I don't know. I I just, I'm a very, very driven and, and ambitious person, and nothing fuels me more than someone thinking I can't do something. Um, yeah, and I'm just very competitive, so I like to believe I would have I figured it out. I admire that about you, just in this <laughs> 50 minutes that we've been here. Like, I really <laughs> admire that, because I can just see it in different parts of your life, but you know, that same energy, mm-hmm. that same dedication, it's just insert something else. Mm-hmm. Well, I got hurt here. I can't do this. Let me find my next passion. And yep. I'm going to put equally as much time and effort and mm-hmm. energy into it. Well, I think that like, I get a lot of that from my dad, you know, and he was just kind of the kind of guy who was like, well, if you're going to do it, don't do it half-assed. I imagine he was like, he had to be right. Yeah. To be that I mean, great of an athlete. Yeah. He's a great athlete, business owner. He, Boat, builds boats and like mahogany ones even yeah he plays guitar a little bit too really? yeah he's pretty badass when did now. you start playing guitar was it the first after the car wreck um i didn't really start i kind of messed around with it a little bit in high school but i the band that i played in in high school i didn't play guitar i just sang so i never actually got really serious about guitar until i was in the bluegrass band um because i mean i'd already been playing and i was like self-taught and i learned some like covers or whatever and written a little bit but when i met sam um he was a great guitar player, and he basically, when we started writing songs together, he would just write guitar parts that were like uh, he knew were above my skill set because he knew I would rather die than admit that I couldn't play them, and I would go sit there and play till I had blisters on my fingers and figured it out. So, again, grateful to him for that. What is success to you now? Like, what do I see as like the ultimate success, or I'm like not right even, now? I'm not pinpointing. You're not gonna. Okay, mm, I'm just asking the question and. I just want okay. to see where your head goes. Like, what's what's your definition of success? Okay, so, I mean, right now, currently, in this moment, I feel very successful because um, I just made a record that I love. It's exactly the record I wanted to make. Um, and I'm I'm on the road, and I'm touring. I'm doing this podcast. I'm doing a lot of... I'm living in a lot of one day, I hope this happens, moments. So I think that's amazing. And I'm trying to get better at living in the current successes as opposed to just always thinking about the next. But in the bigger picture, for me, success is that I can sell a lot of tickets for as long as I want to be on a stage. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work for awards and radio number ones and all of that, but there's just nothing more fulfilling to me than a sold-out crowd and a big stage. I love performing. So, yeah, so if I can be selling out stadiums one day, that's success. But if it's not stadiums, it's still going to be great, but I'm going to aim for that. <laughs> are you neurotic if you're doing a Megan Patrick show? Are you neurotic about ticket sales when they go on, ticket sales right before the show, or are you like, it is what it is, I'm going to go just attack whatever? At that point, it is what it is because getting nervous and neurotic is only going to affect my show. And I can't be thinking about the people that didn't buy tickets while the people who did buy tickets are sitting there expecting a show. So good for you. (laughs) I can't do that. (laughs) I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just saying that's what I tell myself. (laughs) Yeah, good for you. I was with Jordan Davis probably a week or so ago and we were were playing golf actually. And his tickets were going on sale for his tour. Because he's doing bigger venues, he's doing amphitheaters, and he's mm-hmm. doing. And I was like, "I know tickets okay. just went on sale. Like they literally just went up yeah. at like noon on that Friday we were together." And I was like, "You a little nervous?" 
And he was like, well, I said, hey, you can tell me because I'm, I do theaters and I look at every single scene. Yeah. <laughs> like I log on. And he's like, yeah. He said, I, he's, I am. He's, yeah. And I think, and we kind of bonded over that moment because it's, I think I get nervous and neurotic because I don't want, I guess I value too much that people buying tickets or not buying tickets is reflective of how your value, how valuable I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when nobody buys, I'm like, well, I guess I suck and I'm not. And I, I think that that's just, there, that's just the stuff I have to work on on me. Yeah. But I think a lot of us deal with that. But I, I feel mm-hmm. like I like your answer better than I'm just going to start using that one. I think like, I, I think like a lot of that is just, I mean, there's a million things and like metrics in this industry that we use to like measure artists value, you know, and some of them are good metrics and some of them aren't. And I mean, at the end of the day, like, look, when I did my first headlining tour in Canada, I was doing theaters. And yeah, I was terrified. I had nightmares all the time of like walking out on stage and there was no one in the crowd. And um, we ended up doing great. We had some sold out shows, some close to sold out shows. I mean, it was incredible. But, um, you know, I just have to remind myself of like, I just don't see the value in letting something like destroy your sense of worth or or make you depressed about it because to me that's just affecting your work ethic you could just be looking at it like okay so I didn't do what this hoped it would do so now I can sit and address why that happened and I'm going to just do better next time and just use it as a motivator as opposed to letting it like bring you down I just I just think that's like not helpful I'm to your general you. energy. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> all that sounds good, and I wish I could feel it. <laughs> I mean, I'm look, like, I, I just you, I tell now. myself this all the time. You don't always feel that way, but you just, yeah, you just got to find a way to keep pushing through. Did you write today? I did not write today. What yeah. did you do today? How was your day today? I uh, just got up and worked out and started packing for Key West. Big, the big writers, is it the Key yeah, West writers? Songwriter Festival, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll be there. Mitchell and I get to go together, which will be fun, and then... I'm headed to Chicago. I'm headlining the Whiskey Jam stage at the Luke Combs show, the tailgate party. So, yeah, it's going to be a good good week. When do you leave for that? Uh, well, I'm going to leave from Key West on Friday. Yeah. And fine. when do you leave to Key West? Did you say that? Tomorrow, tomorrow? yeah. You're, and you're excited about that? Yeah, I love Key West. It's kind of like where Mitchell and I really sort of fell in love. It was the first time, it was the first trip we ever took together after we had like technically been dating for months but had barely seen each other because I'd been on tour so it was the first time we spent like a full week together and uh it was awesome I also just made some of my best friends that week to uh Jordan Rager who's my my manager's husband and a great songwriter and Michael Whitworth we wrote uh my song Wild Is Me which was about Mitchell and uh they actually just surprised me at the Opry and it's my first gold record as an artist oh congratulations so yeah it's a special place you also just it was your first Opry performance too, right? Opry debut, yeah. Like last month? Yep. How'd that go? Still hard to put into words how incredible that night was. And I think, well, like, I think going back to our conversation about, you know, coming here as a Canadian and kind of like starting all over again, to me, that is just like, it's like the ultimate yes from the industry, from country music, from Nashville, like that felt like after years and years and years of trying to just like claw my way through, finally, they said, hey, we see you. We accept you. We want you to play this stage. Um, and yeah, I just, it was just an amazing night with, with all the people that helped me get there. I had a lot of people that came in from back home and a lot of my friends and co-writers and stuff were there. And I just felt so loved. And it was just an incredible moment because the last couple of years have been the most challenging and frustrating 
<laughs> depressing years of my life and career, to be honest. And it was the first time in my life that I actually allowed myself to consider that maybe I couldn't do this, that maybe I didn't have what it takes. And it kind of broke me for a second. And then, you know, I decided that that was crazy. And like, what else was I going to do besides music? And I just started focusing on writing and just writing the songs that I wanted to write and trying to figure out what my next step was. And I, my manager, Randy, when she came into the picture for me, that was a huge catalyst because I really finally had someone that believed in me and understood me and had the courage to take the path that I wanted to take and do things the way I wanted to do it. And um, it just gave me a little extra fuel to just keep pushing. And then next thing I know, I'm playing the Opry. And it was like, this is why you, this is why you stay and this is why you keep working when you think you can't work anymore. And when you think it's not going to happen, that's when a lot of people give up. And you got to be the one that doesn't give up. That's how you end up playing the Opry. <laughs> Final two questions. Why didn't you give up? I wouldn't know. Like, I could have never. I don't give up. I just don't. <laughs> and it's just not, it's not in my DNA. And it also was just like, I mean, there, I don't exist like without music. It's such an integral part of like who I am. I love music. I think about it all day, every day. I think about songs all day, every day. I've never been happier or felt more myself than in those moments on stage when I'm playing for a crowd singing songs that I wrote. Like there's just, there's absolutely nothing I don't think I could ever find that would feel like that. So it would just, I mean, I would just be miserable. <laughs> Best concert you ever, you've ever been to? Oh, that's so hard. Um, Can't be a festival. Okay. That's like a greatest hits album. That's tough. Yeah, because I was going to yeah. say some of the shows, some of the artists that I saw at Bonnaroo. That's, that's like going, Counting Crows Greatest Hits. No loser, pick an album. <laughs> Um, best single concert you have ever been to then there has to be no specific reason it doesn't have to sound the best it could just okay. be an experience you had I saw No Doubt play like a long time ago when I was like younger and I would say that because Gwen Stefani is amazing and it was the first time I ever saw a female artist not only like be a great singer but like an entertainer I mean, she was all over that stage. Her energy was crazy. She looked so cool. Like her voice was like, she was just amazing. And so that was like a catalyst for me being like, I want to be her. I want to do that. So, yeah. I saw Bush once when I was young. Nice. And it was awesome. And they, you know, they're playing, um, breathe in, breathe out, glycerine, whatever. <laughs> yeah. la, la, la. What I remembered about it though, and I, don't, I never remembered the band name. It didn't for a while. But they had some, there was this crazy opening act they had for them. And this lead singer was like climbing stuff and was still able to like sing even though that, and it was no doubt. It was Gwen Stefani because they ended up getting married. Right. Oh, and, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. And so that was Bush's opening act. Wow. And I remember I was like, I think it was like doubting yourself or something. I was telling my friends, yeah. but it was no doubt. Yeah. And it was an amazing show. Yeah. yeah. She's, she's she awesome. She is. Yeah. All right. Well, look, we've done an hour. I could do another half. <laughs> uh, congratulations. Thank you. On, I liked your answer about why you didn't give up because oh, I don't give up either. Sometimes I feel like I should. <laughs> but yeah, well, I can. Did, I it, give up on like shitty men. That's one you should thing you should give up on. You know, bad relationships. I've also you given up give on up crappy on. men as well. <laughs> <laughs> now I just have good ones. Mike and Reed, and that's it. Those are my only two men. All right, here's what I want to say. You guys go follow Megan, uh, Megan Patrick Music. But there's an H in Megan Patrick Music, that's right. so it's M E G H A N. <laughs> And I really like how you're doing this. Thank you. You know, and I'm not Appreciate just saying that, that because I I've, know you wouldn't just I've say that. I wouldn't. And I've also <laughs> taken your songs and placed them in things just yeah. to go. Thank you. Like, I like it. I respect it. Thank you. I like what you're doing. I like how you're doing it. And so 
I mean, if I just said that but hadn't shown anything, you could say like, <laughs> well, why don't you show me then? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, just you're not going to not make it because you're not going to stop. That's that's pretty much it. <laughs> that's the only way you guarantee success, honestly, is that yeah. you just agree that you're never going to stop. Don't quit. <laughs> yeah, just don't quit. <laughs> it ain't over. Don't quit. Uh, congratulations. Good luck, with, uh, you know, out with uh, the loot deal and the rider deal and all the deals you got and your manager <laughs> seems cool she seems like a heck of a deal you brought up eight times but also I she's sitting her. right there randy you're well, sitting hey, right there you, got, you so. gotta give credit where credit's due i would still talk about her if she wasn't here so congratulations on everything thank you and you guys check it out we talked about it before the show started here but the greatest show on dirt ep it is out now the first single was she's no good for me but what is is the greatest show on dirt the single now what is, is there a single the, now? Yeah, the Greatest Show on Dirt came out with the pre-save. Okay. Um, and I think we're kind of flipping focus to Red Roses and Red Flags. Okay. Mike, can you play a little bit of that? Yep. All right, here we go. These red roses might as well be red That's good. That's good. <laughs> That's good. That's a really That's, cool It's probably concept. my favorite, maybe my favorite song. It's my favorite song to play live, for sure. We actually... I'm going to just toot my own horn for a second. We did get a standing ovation at the Opry for this yeah, song. That's just a cool con. <laughs> that's just good. Thank These you. red roses might as well be red well, flags. Well, my many failed relationships with toxic men led me to this. So Listen, thank you. I wrote a whole book on failure. Totally Taylor Swifted them, you know? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you show them. All right, you guys follow Megan. Megan, good to see you. And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening to a BobbyCast production. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side.